Welcome back. It's another episode of Growth Lab's Weekly GL, where we're tackling today's issues and how they impact your business. This is hosted by me, Dan, and Stephen. We'll give you our raw take on what's important for you and your business. Let's get started. Alex and Greg are going to be joining us. And one of the things we learned with Greg last week and Alex was sort of these five pillars, right, which they're going to walk us through. Um, but one of the things we want to really spend some time on is like, you know, who does this benefit? What is the persona? And what are these five pillars, right? That's sort of the criteria, quote unquote. And then what does the journey look like? Because at the end of the day, you've got to develop the recovery plan and you need to be able to have uh, the ability to develop an exit plan, right? Because you've got to be able to get out of this. Um, and so anything else you want to add? Yeah, no, this is a, it's a, it's a good policy, both the SB, SBRA on the federal level and some of the states, including Rhode Island, um, the law that they put into place are really tools that are out there for business owners uh, to utilize. Um, you know, as Dan said, you know, one of the things we want to get into with Alex and Greg is, you know, who, who, who and when is this a good um, uh, time frame for? But, you know, a lot of the conversations that we've been having over the last four weeks with, with our customers um, around around both the the PVP, just business planning um, in general, have been have been around cash flow planning. Uh, really, kind of taking a look deep look at the business. Do we need to look at how how we change our business, our services, um, to kind of come out on the other other side of this? Um, all that would be part of kind of the part of putting together a recovery plan um, in in either of these uh, situations. Um, so and, yeah, let's sort of bring in Alex and Greg. Cool. Alex, Greg, welcome. How are you? Uh, thank you very much for having us, guys. Definitely. Doing well. Glad to be here. Cool. Cool. So you guys want to introduce yourselves and uh, a little pitch on the, uh, on, the, on the firm? Certainly. Certainly. So uh, again, thank you for having us. This is Greg Hoffman, uh, along with my colleague and, and friend, Alex Trulli. We are attorneys at Barton Gilman. As uh, Dan and Steve indicated, we have offices in Providence, Boston, and Manhattan. Uh, the firm is a full-service firm. Um, however, you know, in light of the topics we're speaking about today and Alex and my practice areas, we're, we're going to focus on uh, things that can help small businesses and nonprofits. And um, our practices in that regard focus on the formation, governance, financing, and operations. And um, you know, we provide a toolkit to small business owners of to help them through, you know, times of thick and thin. So um, we're, we're excited to discuss the SBRA and the Rhode Island non-liquidating receivership program and hopefully add a couple arrows to everybody's quivers today. Right. And you guys kind of come in at this in a very interesting angle because you interned or clerked for some of the judges on the Superior Court, right? That's correct. Alex and I both uh, spent a year clerking in the Superior Court. In particular, um, Alex and I worked personally with uh, several of the judges that have been tasked with not only creating, but more importantly, implementing the Rhode Island non-liquidating receivership program. So we uh, fortunately uh, have a, taken a look behind the curtain, so to speak, on the judicial process with, with the judiciary that is really uh, taking the reins and, and leading the charge with the, with this new business program. Right. And now are there, yeah, that, that's when, 
I'll say that's when Greg met me and then, then he hasn't been able to get rid of me since uh, when we were clerking together. So are there other states in the union that are uh, looking at this sort of like parallel SBRA at the state level approach? Uh, there are, there, there are, are some. Uh, Rhode Island, Rhode Island is one of the first programs and, and they've been uh, innovators and they've been and eager to be one of the first states. And I, I think that is consistent with uh, what we've seen from our governor and our, our other um, government agencies and the judi judiciary has uh, has followed suit. And I know uh, that there are, as far as were explained to us on a seminar that was given by the, the three judges who were overseeing this program, it's uh, Judge Stern. Uh, Judge Leach and Judge Taft Carter, that there are other states that are interested in looking to see how this works in Rhode Island and have high hopes for the program. Greg, did you um, did you know of anything else to add to that? No, I know that this is, you know, a pilot program, so to speak, and there are a lot of eyes from around the country uh, seeing how this shakes out here in Rhode Island. Cool. So there's been a lot of like talk around the SBRA and, you know, there are sort of four pillars to that, right? The removal of the need for a creditors committee. Uh, That's correct. Lessens the involvement of the U.S. trustee. Um, and then obviously allowing the debtor to be in the driver's seat and create the uh, reorg plan. Um, and then probably more importantly uh, for um, maybe for you lawyer types, uh, the removal of the absolute priority rule, right? So how does that compare to the Rhode Island uh, non-liquidating non-liquidating receivership program? Yeah, so a lot of the non-liquidating receivership program has uh, the same flavor in regards to, to the major pillars of the SBRA that you mentioned. Um, I think that you know one one similarity which which Alex and I find um, critical is you know, in the, with the SBRA, it's, you know, the, the debtor remaining in, in possession and with control of the business. In, in essence, that is what the non-receivership program is, is aiming to implement. We want business owners to continue to be the one managing the day-to-day -day operations. Another similarity is um, in the SBRA context is we have the trustee that's appointed, but again, they're in a more limited role uh, overseeing and, and helping with the development of the reorganization plan and the ensuring of timely payments. Um, likewise, in, in, the, in the state program, while, you know, the trustees will be appointed, again, we are, we're relying on the business owners to continue to manage operations. And, and I think, you know, the undercurrent of all of this is these are your businesses. You are the people that are intimately familiar with your operations, your needs for capital um, and otherwise. And, and as a result, um, you know, great deference is being given to the people in the in the day-to-day -day driver's seat to continue to make the decisions and and the tough uh, strategic planning to to get by day-to-day -day in these tough times. Yeah, definitely. Big kudos to uh, the state for this progressive uh, uh, policy. Yeah, can you can you can you walk uh, walk our audience through um, you know what the Rhode, Rhode Island lawmakers have put into place? Um, and, uh, you know, you can compare it to the SBRA if you want, but I think in general, you know, um, our audience needs education on, on both. Um, and, you know, what does this non-liquidating receivership even mean? Sure. Uh, so I, I think the, the broad stroke explanation for the, the difference between the SBRA program 
and the non-liquidating receivership program, as we're calling it. But I should note, uh, based on what you said earlier in terms of the the potential stigma around receivership is that the, the actual administrative order calls it the, the COVID-19 business recovery plan, which is, of course, indicative of, of what this is meant to be. And the, the idea is that this is a, this is a healthy business that uh, is entering into this program. Uh, their operations are running along fairly smoothly, not perfectly, no, no small business uh, or, or very few businesses run, run along uh, perfectly, uh, but things are going well. The, the books are in good shape. The finances are mostly in good shape. There, there's, uh, there's some confidence in the business. And then the, the pandemic hits and suddenly the business finds itself in an, in an unprecedented situation and is worried about how they're going to sustain the situation. Uh, and the idea is that these are completely new circumstances for everyone, and businesses are trying to figure out what to what to do with respect to everything that uh, you covered on the beginning portion of, of this podcast, and you've covered on pa on past podcasts, and where money's going to come from, what their debts are, what their obligations. They're worried about collection actions, and everything is starting to to feel overwhelming. And what this program is meant to do is to step in and allow the business to say, we just need a freeze frame. We just need to pause things for a moment and we need to come up with an operating plan, a way that we can sustain our, our, our business in the short term, uh, which could potentially be a much longer term uh, as we don't know really what direction the pandemic is going to go right now. Uh, so short term in the sense of right now, uh, but that, that could stretch over months or, or e even much, much longer, depending upon what stands before us. So the, um, the, business recovery plan. I'm going to try to not use receivership too much because I don't, I don't want to scare anyone off, but the key is that it's a, it's a non-liquidating receivership. And so like Greg just covered the, the really important factor is that you as a business owner are going to retain control of your business. You are going to be making the day-to-day -day decisions and you're going to be doing that with the oversight, but really more the insight of the receiver. And the receiver is there not to help you liquidate your assets. They're there to help you avoid bankruptcy or to avoid liquidation. They're, they're there to help make sure that you have the protections of a receivership. So that means protection against liens, protections against claims, protections against lawsuits, judgments, collection actions. Uh, if a creditor comes to you, they have to work through this program. And, and that kind of will bring us to what I think is one of the, the most powerful things that is part of this program is, is the freeze frame, the stay, the injunction. But the, the difference between the SBRA program and the COVID-19 business recovery program is that the, the latter is meant to really allow a business to sustain during an unprecedented, extremely difficult, extremely trying, unknown situation. So there's a great deal of flexibility. And one of the things that Rhode Island courts, I think, do well, and I'm sure Greg would agree, and I, I think all three judges that have been appointed to oversee this program do well, is that they can look at extenuating circumstances and, and they can look at the changing circumstances and they can decide really what makes sense with the goal of making sure these businesses sustain. Got it. And so as you think about like who does this benefit, you know, we've talked about a little bit of, you know, you kind of walked into COVID-19, good balance sheet, you know, financially they were stable, the business model was viable. Um, but 
granted not to overuse the sort of the nuclear term here, but this isn't this isn't like chapter seven, eleven, right? Um, who does this benefit and who should really think about this? Obviously, nobody's probably thinking about this stuff right now. So not to be overly draconian here, right? But let's say three months from now, you, the bills continue to pile up. Uh, the crap you ordered back in January and February, you're still waiting, you know, trying to pay that off. Your vendors are like breathing down your neck. Is that who should be thinking about this? Potentially. I, I, I don't want to limit anyone from thinking about the program or, or considering it, but the, the way that I understand it and the way that it, it's meant to operate is that this, this is a freeze frame and you'll, you'll hear me say that a few times and it's a freeze frame because the business was like you said, doing well, relatively speaking, uh, and then gets hit with these, these circumstances of the pandemic and needs to figure out how they're going to come out on the other side. Yeah. So this program is, is not bankruptcy in the sense that it's a full restructuring. Uh, it's not, it's not a, a liquidation. It's, it's not meant to completely redo or remake your business. That, that's more, and you know, correct me uh, if, if you disagree, certainly, I, that's more in the realm of the SBRA program, which can be a, a really effective tool, I think. But here, it's, okay, this pandemic may go on for uh, three months, it already has, it's gonna go on for six months, it's gonna go on for nine, maybe a year, uh, we don't know, but the idea is that hopefully the majority of businesses that come into this program will be able to sustain during the time that they're in it and come out on the other side as if that freeze frame uh, really preserved what they had going, or at least preserved a large portion of it. And that, and that freeze frame, let's just uh, kind of dive into that because uh, just make sure people understand um, and, you know, kind of interrupt me and correct me as I, as I go through this. But from our conversation last, last week about this, um, it's really, it's, it's a freeze on any, anything kind of, com any arrows coming at you as a business, right? Whether a vendor, one of your key vendors is, is trying to collect that 100000 from you that you've owed since the beginning of, of the year, whether it's uh, 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 your bank coming at you to uh, get repayment on your line of credit, all those things are kind of frozen and you kind of correct me and articulate further. Yeah, that, that, I think that, that's accurate. Greg, does, does that sound right to you? It, it, it's a stay, it's an injunction, uh, and it is it's very, very powerful. A hundred percent. And, um, you know, as we discussed last week, it, I, I believe, gives leverage back to the business owners in trying to resolve some of those problems that you just mentioned there. Yeah, it gives you it's about timing, right? It gives you time to put a, put a plan together. Um, I mean, customers that we've worked with, not, not under, this, uh, under this, but, you know, kind of restructuring, restructuring debt. Um, whether that's, uh, you know, kind of in the, in the normal course of business, uh, rolling things up together, whether that's, hey, things are really hitting a wall, we really need to, like, take a look, we need to have conversations with the bank. Um, but, you know, one of, a, one of the keys that we always talk about with customers is it's all about the, those relationships, right? The relationship with the bank, the relationship with the vendors, and, uh, you know, coming out of this, you know, you, 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 some of those are going to be, you might burn some bridges, but you, you, know, you got to have a plan together that uh, tries, to, tries to retain those relationships because, you know, we all just, we all work in potentially small industries, um, and you know, have a few key vendors, uh, and we can't burn can't burn bridges with all the vendors. Hey, hey guys, uh, the business recovery plan—it's not about extinguishing debt, right? It's about pausing. That's correct. That, that, that's that's correct. correct. That's a big piece of it. That's a you know, when you talk about the nuclear option versus the business recovery plan, 
you're not looking to just wipe out all your debt, right? Or cram down vendors and, and working capital partners. So talk to us a little bit about the five pillars. I know we've, uh, we've sort of dabbled in it, but you know, two of the five pillars are really exciting for us because you know, we've worked with other restructuring and turnaround situations and this notion of like recovery plan, exit plan, you know, the timing, the cash flows, the business model. So I know we're going to kind of repeat ourselves a little bit here, but what are the five pillars that we should keep in mind when thinking about these um, business recovery plans? Sure. So I'll, uh, I'll be brief in, in going over the first two because I think we just had a, a good discussion of them. The, the first pillar, and these were, these were the pillars that were, were put forth by Judge Brian Stern, who uh, has, has been leading the charge here and, and what he really wanted to make sure that the attorneys that were listening to him took away. And so the, the first pillar is that it's a non-liquidating receivership. And I'm stressing non-liquidating. If this were in print, I'd have it underlined, bolded. Uh, and I would really want to make sure that that's clear because it is not meant to be bankruptcy. It is not meant to be viewed as bankruptcy. It, it is not meant to be liquidating. It's a non-liquidating receivership. Being, so that's the first pillar. The second is that after you are part of the program, and we can talk a little bit more about how you, how you go about doing that, uh, but you file what's called a verified petition. And once you're part of the program, an injunction enters, right? And an injunction is, is that freeze frame. It's a, it's a judicial order that says everything stays as is, right? And not, nothing is moving or happening until it flows through this court. Now, it's a bit more complicated than that, but at a, at a high level, it can be understood that way. And because everything is frozen, stops, pause, whatever term we want to pick, that allows someone like your, your business and, and yourself to come in and say, okay, uh, we know where we're at. We have a somewhat of a, an idea as to what we need to deal with and what we will be dealing with. And we're going to come up with an operating plan. Right. And that, that, op, that operating plan is one of the pillars. And part of that operating plan is, being, and this is the fourth pillar, is that management is going to continue to operate the business. Uh, they're going to do that under the operating plan. And then the receiver or uh, trustee, as they're sometimes called here, here it's a receiver, will be making sure that the business the management of the business, handling the day-to-day -day decisions, is operating within that court-approved plan, right? And that plan would be something that would be crafted uh, carefully by working with potentially everyone on, on this podcast, right, or, or people in those roles and, and others, uh, thanks, uh, to make sure that the business can sustain and the court would approve it and the receiver would continue to provide insight and oversight as the business needed to adopt. And then the fifth pillar being that there ultimately needs to be an exit plan, right? So th this is not meant to be a long-term situation. Like I said, it may stretch out over the course of who knows how long, depending upon how things go with, with the coronavirus. But the idea is that this is something that allows the business to sustain and ultimately come out on the other side of it. Uh, in much of the same position, if not the same position. And so there needs to be a plan for that to, ha to happen. This is, this is not an indefinite thing. So five pillars, non-liquidating receivership, uh, that freeze frame injunction, the operating plan developed, uh, management continues to operate the business with uh, the receiver's help and oversight, and then an exit plan. 
Cool. Talk to talk to us a little bit about the journey in a few minutes. What does that look like? How do you, as uh, legal counsel, uh, assist, participate, help? Sure. Uh, so, Greg, you want you want to take that one? Uh, certainly. So, as Alex indicated, uh, this this process or party gets started with the filing of what Alex referred to as a verified complaint. That is a uh, it's a, a complaint sworn to under oath by the business owner regarding uh, the financial difficulties that they have uh, resulted to them as a result of the coronavirus. So that is what, what start, starts this off. So that is the, file, the initial filing into the court and the commencement of the action. Thereafter, the, the complaints reviewed and the, if, if approved and meeting the, the guidelines and obligations of the program that the petition is allowed and accepted into the into the business recovery program at, at that point the 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 goal of the program is is to work on the on the business plan the what what is it that we need to do to to, to weather this this COVID-19 pandemic so once we get it, it once you are accepted and into the program a receiver is going to be appointed. Again, we can't stress enough. It is the business owner that's going to be in charge of the operational decisions regarding the business at this point. Um, however, the receiver is there, as Alex indicated, to provide insight into what types of modifications, if any, are necessary for this business to weather this economic storm. And how, how do we have to restructure things to continue to be viable, not only during this pandemic, but going forward. For some businesses, uh, the injunction or the stay of obligations for a temporary period uh, until the finances and economic uh, context that we're all in picks back up, maybe that's the answer. For some, it might be a further dive into uh, operations, supply, liabilities, and things like that. So, you know, the needs of each business are, are you know, very factually specific and will be determined in the plan. But ultimately, this is going to result in a plan being submitted and approved by the court, which ultimately will, will hope to restructure things into a more financially um, successful platform for, for the short and long term. Cool. Yeah, Greg, a few, a few things I just want to add, if, if you'll, you'll just give me 30 seconds of the important points I had in my notes are that uh, the administrative expenses, meaning the, the costs that are associated with our respective services are part of that operating plan. Because I know some of the people I've spoken with are concerned about what this might cost. And that, that was a big piece for uh, the court and, and the judges in putting this together. They wanted to make sure that businesses were able to access it. So that would be part of, of the operating plan that's put together. And then also you can withdraw from this program as a business if need be. Right, right. And uh, remind me again, who pays for this? The, uh, the, bus the business will be paying for it, but as part of the operating plan, which is submitted uh, very shortly after the petition, uh, with that injunction in place, uh, the administrative expenses those are being called. So that, that, would be, um, that would be your business's services, attorney services, anything that goes in into making sure that this operating plan can happen, that it's effectuated, uh, are included in the plan, and the court will be able at times to say, this is reasonable or this is too much or this is this is not affordable for the business and the the attorneys and the accountants and the and the, the finance people and every everyone else that's involved will 
will be part of the part of the plan and the the process uh, as much as everyone else. Cool guys, this was great. We're gonna wrap it up uh, with uh, Alex and Greg. Um, how can people reach you? Uh, email, phone. We'll go ahead and blast that out, um, and we'll put it as part of the uh, podcast here. But this was great. I'm glad we're sort of thinking about this and preaching about it really early on, especially as we're still in the midst of the euphoria of getting PPP money. Uh, I do have one question, uh, forgiveness, new guidelines. So is there anything that has, uh, in the context of the business recovery plan, um, has there been any new guidelines around PPP forgiveness and how that interplays with this or the judges haven't even thought about that yet? The, the judges have certainly thought about it, uh, but have uh, been, I think, hesitant. And this is this is my this is my take. They've been hesitant to give any hardline feedback in terms of what it may mean because they're still working with the SBA. And I think that the the, the right. program overall, as as we all know and can agree, is is evolving at a pretty rapid pace. So they, they have, uh, they being the, the judiciary, the judges, they have been in touch with the SBA and they have been pressing on what interaction there may be, if any. Uh, so it, it is on their mind. And the answer that was given uh, that I understand is that the programs are very much meant to be complementary. They are not meant to interfere with one another. These are all supposed to be tools that a small business can use to make sure it continues to, to find success. Boom, this was great. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it, guys. Appreciate Thanks it coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having us, guys. Really enjoyed it. So, what do you think, Steve? You know, it's a, it's a it's a good tool. I think um, you know, one one thing that people listening might think is, you know, hey, we have to hire lawyers, we have to hire uh, service providers. It's all going to be expensive. Um, this really is being put together. Um, one of the motivations is to make it accessible by small businesses. Mm -hmm. um, and the I think what we didn't talk about was all the expenses that are often a part of um, uh, receiverships, either to pay for the receiver, pay for the trustee. Those are just court appointed, court chosen. Um, and often, especially when the court then or the receiver runs the business, um, you know, you, the management doesn't have any say about that operating plan. So th that's kind of like the kind of the flip side of, um, you know, why this is, chance. why this is like a, a good, um, good option, a good tool for, uh, for businesses. Okay. So that's a wrap. Always love talking shop, Steve. Thanks, Dan. Join us next week. Check us out at growthlabfinancial.com or text weeklygl to 833-759-0277.